Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In a world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grindin' shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. And the guest for this episode is photographer, journalist, director, event curator, and all-in-all supporter of Detroit, Amy Nicole, and also known as her moniker, Acronym. How you doing? Doing good. How are you? Man, I'm good. We are, we, you know, suffering, not suffering, we're getting through the... uh, this, you know, global pandemic, you know, doing our thing, you know, we were just talking about before we started recording, like, you know, the weird things that we kind of have to like push ourselves to do now, how we have to change our game up, you know, how we change our little lifestyles. But sometimes it's something that it's not even really a change. It's something that we've already been doing. Yeah, it's that joke of like introverts are really thriving right now because they don't have to do anything. <laughs> and it's it's kind of perfect in that sense. <laughs> you know, from your perspective, do you feel like, you know, is there a way that this whole thing could change the community in Detroit? You know, what, what was sort, you know, what, in what way do you feel like this could all like change the community in Detroit? Well, I think there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of psychological damage and a lot of psychological behavior shifts in this, I think, because people that are alive right now have never experienced this with the exception of like maybe a really, really old person during wartime. So you're not truthfully, nobody's gone through something like this before. And the fact that it's impacted 
some people's lives. Like other states are still not under lockdown, but we are. Yeah. I feel like Michigan in the whole sense is going to have something to change in any state that has a lockdown, whether it's California, Miami, uh, the people that are there are going to realize how lucky we have it. And that might be one of the biggest components because despite the fact that, you know, sometimes we're unsatisfied or sad and depressed about our lives or want something that, you know, is without of our reach. Like we're still very fortunate to live here despite it's fucked up policies of politics you know yeah. so i'm hoping that now when people get out of this and they're able to go back out that they'll be kinder to people that they'll they'll tip better you know different stuff like that but it also goes down to the personality of the person you know uh, dare i say it boomers don't really care so it's <laughs> like you kind of gotta work your way around <laughs> that but i feel a lot like the millennials and the the gen z's are going to be as soon as they can get out there, they're going to be out there trying to replenish the the friends that they have working at these restaurants downtown and different things like that. So I just want to I, I just really hope that as time goes on, people are going to expand their mindset to go, OK, if we want this to really thrive and we really love it and we realize how much we appreciate it when we couldn't have it, let's take care of it now. Oh, and yeah. I'm really hoping that's the mindset for most people. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, I hope there's much more of a community going on after, you know, after all of this. Like um, you know, bef- you know, we we you know, we always kind of joke about it about the new Detroit, you know, sort of like the gentrification of Detroit and how how that changes everything to a certain extent we're like yo we needed something we needed like a revitalization because we were just going nowhere. But then you know, other times it's like Yo, this is kind of, you know, cleansing some of the, you know, the character of Detroit, you know, right. away with all this new business that are kind of like, yo, why do we need a, uh, you know, expensive watch shop or something? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Downtown. It's crazy because like some people like when we're out and experiencing Detroit, some of us have experienced it from when it was a lack of a better word, like just grimy and kind of disheveled and everything. And that was the fallout of the history of Detroit, you know, with the, uh, the riots and, and strikes and things like that. And then you move on from that and there's all these abandoned homes and there's all these abandoned buildings. And a lot of us took advantage of that fact and were exposing Detroit for what it was, you know, that, that there was beauty within the shit And somebody decided they were going to believe in it. And it sucks on on my mind of like, I've got my own qualms about, you know, the way that downtown is run, how how the businesses are out of reach for actual locals. It's it's more built towards the the Quicken employees with their, um, (laughs) these boutique stores and stuff like that. And H&M and crap, like stuff that that real Detroiters don't necessarily use. And so for me, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like, I'm happy that the economy was getting better, but at the same time, a lot of things were becoming out of reach for the people that stayed here and, and took care of it. So, you know, it's, it's a like I say, a double-edged sword. Like, some of it's great and some of it's not so great. I personally don't like being watched from every camera around the city. So that kind <laughs> right, of gives yeah. me the creeps. But, uh, yeah. you know, 
And it's like, I'm not really doing anything that illegal, but (laughs) it's just one of those things, I guess, that you have to accept with New Detroit being what it is and and how it's set up. Um, But I kind of, in some aspects, I I ended up getting really bummed out about it the other day and kind of broke down into tears because, like, I feel so bad about the way that things are playing out for these small businesses now. Like, watching, you know, my my friends at Street Beat had to shut down their pop-up setup at uh, Third Street Bar because of food industry stuff. So they're not getting any money, and it's like, with some of these places that can do gift cards and stuff, it's like the hope is people that have money and are secure will buy these gift cards for a later date dinner and stuff like that. But that's not always the case. A lot of people will just kind of hold on to their cash. So a lot of people are going to be struggling and it's going to, it's going to test who can actually uh, survive at this point, like what businesses are actually going to survive because some small businesses, sad to say, will not. Some big businesses won't either. I mean, we watched GameStop just go to shit, so. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this is going to be a weird time to see who survives, you know, and hopefully afterwards, like Detroit will be able to use what it has to kind of get back on its feet again. I mean, the one thing that Detroit has that other big cities don't have is that there's a lot of land in Detroit that is not being used in like the hoods and stuff like that, that they've, that they've cleared from, uh, you know, burnt down houses and stuff. There is a lot of land that is land that is, that's only been used for, you know, houses and stuff like that. And I wish there could be like more farming and stuff like that. I wish like Detroit would, you know, be sort of like that, be on the forefront of, 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 you know, urban farming and stuff like that. And right. Really and there are that. some places now, at least like, I mean, at, at one point there were like maybe three or four. Cause I know that, um, I, I also work with Detroit is it is one of the other publications I write for. And I know there was a piece that went out at one point about urban farming in Detroit. And obviously that's pre this issue with coronavirus but i mean there's the option for that and obviously i'm gonna say it because i'm the stoner like there's an option for some of these warehouses to be grows if they could just get it together yeah we got so we we got a lot of buildings a lot of warehouses there's a lot of like structures there's a lot of land there's things that just aren't being used that's you know, other big cities don't have the luxury because they've built it up so much, you know, that right. we can we can be be on the forefront of of a lot of and have the space to do so. But like at the same time, we you know, it's in the hands of all these politicians and stuff that, that you know, do they want to do it? Do they believe in it? You know, all that. And shit. they don't even want to, like, go through the um the process of you know, setting up recreational here. Like, I know that it's somewhat, um, like, recreational, but at the same time, it's only in certain areas. It's right. not... <sighs> I don't know. It, it's just a, it's frustrating to me because I look at, like, some of the things that could help people, and everybody's just looking at their bottom line, and they're not looking at uh, what could be helpful, what could be good for the economy in that sense and everything, too. So 
It's like everybody's so concerned about how do I line my pockets that they're not looking at the best interest of the other people that are around. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, there's there's this weird, like, in Michigan, we got this weird dichotomy. It's just like, you know, Detroit is heavily, you know, black populated, you know, but when you go anywhere else in Michigan, it's totally different. It's like, you know, got a, you know, a much stronger, like sort of Republican conservative, like sort of population, you know, so you kind of have this like thing where you have these, like this weird dichotomy of, of people that are like on opposite ends Right, and it's the people that are, like, going out in the suburbs and voting and different things like that that are causing changes for Detroiters. And they don't know the first thing about living in Detroit, you know? So it's it's crazy to me that, um, you know, some of the issues that the city has ends up being determined by, like, you know, doing a primary or a vote or something like that. Like, that DIA bill that happened was like okay well do we extend this and there were a lot of people that were like no we're not giving the dia more money and i'm like are you crazy like, <laughs> the dia is the, like the one of the best tourist pulling points you know like yeah. people come to see this artwork we need things like that here we need experiences and activations that are going to keep people you know coming back not and it's you know, I, I love the gastro pub, but like, I get it. You want to sit in really uncomfortable chairs and eat a burger and drink a beer. <laughs> we can do more than that. <laughs> right, right, right. It, so. It's right. See, one of the reasons why, you know, I really like what you're doing is that you're, you know, the reason why, you know, you're somebody that caught my attention even before we ever met was that like, and I, and I know you probably went through your own sort of personal struggles to get here, but I always thought you were like very unapologetic about who you are and really, you know, was really a supporter of things that you believed in. And that's something that I really enjoyed, like from afar about you. And then you really, and then when I finally met you and started talking to you, like it was that, you know, you're really 100 about that. Right. I, I, I try to be as transparent as I possibly can. And especially like when it comes to, I mean, thought processes, but also especially with mental health, because mental health is like one of the biggest things in my life. And I've gone through on other podcasts before I've had like a really shitty fallout with my mom and different things like that to where I have found that it's better to talk about these things with people because a lot of people think that they can't do this. They can't. And I'm not saying like I'm some sort of role model here, but at the same time, I'm like a lot of people will message me and tell me like, you inspire me because you do what you do despite, you know, having depression, despite having anxiety, despite going through all of these struggles. And so the more that I opened up about it and people were receptive to it was why I talked about it more, why I was, why I'll write some long captions and stuff like that on Instagram, because there are a lot of things that people are afraid to talk about or afraid to be themselves about things. And, you know, being myself isn't always the best case scenario. Sometimes I get myself in trouble and I put my foot in my mouth a lot and yeah, I mean, <laughs> things like that, but who doesn't at this point? 
Right, right, right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I figured I, I would never want to be that person that and it, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't have any illusions that I'm ever going to be a quote unquote celebrity or anything like that. You know, it's not it's not in my my book of things. I just want to be good at what I do and for people to experience it. So <laughs> for me, I would hate to have somebody meet me after having that perception of like, oh, yeah, she's just really herself and all of these other things. And then they meet me and they're like, wow, what a train wreck. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I thought this person was cool or like that they thought that I had it together. And it's, you know, the more I am open about it, the more I feel like people get what they want out of me right. in knowing that they, I, I, when I say to somebody, my DMS are open. If you need to talk, like, I'm not kidding around about that. I, I, mean, I probably spend more time than any normal human should talking to strangers about their issues just because sometimes people need to talk. And I've been to that point where I've been, I've had, you know, my bouts with battling suicidal thoughts and, and different things like that over the years. And I, I don't want anybody to ever feel like they're alone. Like I, I yeah. want people to be able to talk to somebody. And if they don't have that person to be able to confide in me, because I would rather keep someone alive and spend 15 minutes of my time rather than, you know, them go off and feel like they have no one to care for them. So it, it's kind of, I, I get a lot of, from my business friends, they tell me like, you got to cut that shit out. You got to stop wasting time. You got to, you know, go, go, go. And he's like, that's not who I am. No, no I, I don't believe in, I don't believe in that. When, if you're always like the person who's on the grind doing stuff for business purposes, like that's eventually going to show and it's going to like turn people off. People, people, oh, yeah. people see through that, you know, but if you can show that human side of you, like that goes a long way with people. That's, that's what I believe. And it seems that when, when you meet people that have been impacted by that and, and they see like, okay, like you got my back. It, it's a, it's a really crazy thing, but to have someone that, you know, you can, lean on that isn't even you know in your circle half the time but can be there for you is the most important thing in the world and that's why i say it goes back to you know talking about the grocery store clerks and all these different people is it's you know showing that humanity really plays a big part into what i do as a person because i feel like that's my strongest asset you know i used to just be a photographer and then i started writing and that I had, a, you know, these two different things, I put them together and it made it more, you know, lethal to have visual with words because I, I tend to write better than I speak. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I when I do those things and it it touches somebody like that is really impactful to me, like that makes me feel like I am making a dent in a really shitty world. And a, it's a world that a lot of people told me I didn't belong in, but, you know, I, I'm still here and I'm still pushing to try and make some sort of impact. And as long as I, you know, I make everybody, you know, a little bit better than they were before I go, that's, that's what's important to me that I impacted somebody. Yeah. When I was kind of going through my own thing with, uh, my own mental health, I, I knew I wanted to share what I was going through with people. Um, 
and then it kind of it was like all these different things that I was like learning, paying attention to that eventually like when I started, you know, recently when I came out as being queer and not in gender non-binary and seeing all the things that led me to that, like and putting it out in written form and essay and seeing how all this stuff sort of links together. Like mad people were like asking me questions about different things, not just the queer thing or anything. It was, they're asking me about my sobriety. They're asking me about mental health and stuff like that and how all that links in together. And the thing is, is like, you know, if you go through those stories, you go through those, you know, times you experience that and you're able to share it with people and share it with people in a way where you, you don't you don't make yourself the authority of it. Right. Like, I think that's an important thing. Do not like just share it with people and 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 make it seem like we can all have our own version of what this is, is right. what I think is important, you know, and that's something I always liked about you. You have like your own version of who you are, you know, and I, I feel like that's what you try to do. Yeah, it, it really just try to be you know, open and go, okay, this is my situation. This is my story, but you may relate to it, you know, and and that's kind of where my head's at with it. Like the one thing that always like bugged me, and this was something that really, that was a part of me, like struggling with my own sexuality and my gender identity was like times when people would like, would come out as gay, but the way they did it, like, they made they made them they made themselves seem like they were some sort of big authority or some big voice for the gay community. When you're just right. like, "Yo, chill, bro," um, like you don't need to do all that. Just like, and then I like you know what made what brought me comfort to finding myself was, you know, and this and this was a lot of times I met through people in a creative community, mo- mostly like the comic uh, creators community where I was meeting all these people who identified themselves as queer, but they were in their own version of it, you know, and it was all these different flavors and everything. And it was just like, yo, that's what, you know, that's what I liked about it, you know, is that, and that doesn't even have to do with just like your sexuality. That can be with anything is just finding your own version of your expression of, of who you are, your identity in any sort of way. And, I feel like, you know, when you, when you try to become that person who's like, try to be like, like the, the, you know, the center of it, you try to make it all about yourself. I think that's very, you know, very like people don't want to, it's kind of hard to relate to that, but if you kind of keep it open-ended and being like, yo, you can, you can be, be the version that you want to be like all those things that are popping up in your head of things that you want to do, you can do them. That's cool. Right. And it's, it's interesting when it comes to LGBTQ community in itself, too, because there are some people that are, are very, like, yes, open arms. I want, I, want, I want you to be here and experience this and be happy about it. And then there's some communities that are kind of gatekeepers and they're, you know, try to shove you out because they don't feel that your, your version of representation is valid. Right. And that, that's been something that I've struggled with here and there because it's like I don't parade around and be like hey I'm bisexual I'm pansexual but I am I consider myself a pansexual person right and people don't respect 
like either you know pan or bi communities because they figure they they see that I'm engaged to a man. Yeah, exactly. They, they automatically act like, well, that means you're straight. No, and both of <laughs> me and right. Chuckers just gave us three dollar bills. You just don't see it, <laughs> like you know. And for for me, it's you know I I don't try to stand there and and say oh like. I'm part of this community and blah, blah, blah. And I don't, you know, blast it all over the place, but I try to at least be open about it in the sense of like, you know, people are able to fall in love with who they want now. And that becomes a, you know, a struggle, but it's also a lifestyle change. Yeah. People will want to live a certain way. And especially with like the non-binary side of community and everything, you know, it, it is not stupid to be able to, you know, call someone their proper gender that they identify as. Like, some people act like it's stupid or won't respect it. And that's extremely insulting because some people truly feel, I'm not a man, I'm not a woman, I'm not anything. And yeah. the the world is going to have to come to terms with there is not two quote-unquote genders anymore. There's not, these classifications need to be accepted far and wide because right now there's still a struggle with it and on the flip side there needs to be some exception in that community as well of you know when somebody misgenders you and they don't know you you don't wig out you just tell them like there are some people that will yell at you and if you've never met this person or anything like that like that's been one of the big things for me is like going to comic cons and accidentally misgendering somebody and them getting mad about it. And I'm like, no, like, I don't know you. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> right. Right. Know, we, we all need to give a little bit of leeway in that sense yeah. in order to be respectful of each other. And I, I have to think like, you know, we're not the only country that experiences this, you know, we're not the only country with gay people in it. You know, things are going to have to change, you know, conjugations of language and things like that to give that identification to people. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't really trip out on the pronouns for myself because right now I look I yo, I look like a cis male straight white dude, you know. (laughs) like like there's no like for the most part there's like i look like that but for me like i feel like there's part of me that's a woman i feel like part of me that's a man you know that's you know and i or whatever in that is in that gray area but like i'm not gonna trip over that you know to anybody they can call me you know he you know they can call me they that's cool you know or you just the universal dude, you know, whatever. But um, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like we're 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 still learning about a lot of this. But you know, so you know, everybody has to do a little bit of a leeway. But you know, everybody has to like ha- be open to, enough to uh, to learn. And I, I think I think a lot of the times it doesn't matter who, like how deep you are into the community or not. Like we all need to be like allies of each other. Instead of, instead of, you know, instead of being the leader or the gatekeeper or whatever, we just need to like, you know, stand beside each other and being like, if so, if, if one person has a, uh, has a more sturdier platform than the other, then that person needs to be an ally and being like, yo, boom, yo, listen to this person. Like they got something to say about, you know, what they're going through. It's just like, 
an ally needs you need to be an ally, not like a leader, a gatekeeper, blah blah blah. Because that's just like, yo, know, gatekeeper. Well, and I like the way that you explained it of like having you know your own version of what you are. Yeah. You know, you yeah. decide how you feel. You decide you know, what box you want to put yourself into, so to speak, or, you know, what badge you want to wear. And the thing is, is that a lot of the times in community, whether it's people that don't, don't like the gay community or people that are in the community that, that feel that somebody is not living up to the name of being queer, like you, you don't get to decide that the person that's choosing it gets to decide that and you have no right to tell them otherwise. And, you know, that, that comes down to even people that, you know, come out as gay, like your, your parents, despite the fact that, you know, they raised you or whatever, doesn't have a right to tell you whether you're gay or not, you know? So there's a lot of different layers that we could pick apart and we could talk about it for hours, honestly, um, about how those behaviors come down to, but a lot of things are going to have to change Yeah. and be respected. You know, there's not it's not the same game as it was 10 years ago where we just pretended like, you know, we weren't queer. You have to, if you want to be out, be out and be proud of yourself because you, you've decided that you want to be the truest version of yourself and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Just like a lot of things, you know, a lot of people that are a part of sort of, you know, marginalized communities, they're, no one's, no one's a monolith, you know, there's different versions of a lot of things, you know, like I was, uh, I was interviewing this voice actor and she's a, uh, she's a Muslim woman. She's American Muslim woman. And she doesn't, um, you know, she doesn't wear the hijab, hijab. And, um, she, um, she was like, yeah, that's just a personal choice. But, and she's like, I would like, you know, like to see more stories where, you know, where there's, there are Muslim women that don't wear the covering or anything like that out there because we're not just that, you know, and it happens in like a lot of different, you know, a lot of different communities where, you know, the stories that we see, the TV shows and all always depict people in a certain way when there can be a lot of different, you know, versions. Yeah. Stereotyping is a huge one. And I feel like with the, the communities that we're surrounded and we definitely have, there's a stereotypical vision of the black community more so than anybody in, in at least Detroit. And it was interesting to me when they did, um, I, I went and photographed that Forbes conference, the, the Forbes under 30. Summit. Yeah. And while I was there, I connected with somebody on Instagram that wanted to meet up and just talk. And so I met up with her and we had a discussion and it came down to her saying the phrase that like, completely changed my perspective on some things and it was I feel like there is a race obsession here in Detroit it is like always about well what are you yeah everybody's <laughs> asking me what I am and she's like she lives in Toronto and she was like um from the United Kingdom but she's also I believe Pakistani and like every she goes everybody's been grilling me about what am I and it's really weird to me because I don't get that question anywhere else, but here I'm getting it all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like, I'm not surprised by it, but I've just never heard anybody put it that way. Yeah. And like flip side, 
we went, um, me and one of my friends drove out to Delaware a couple, like, a, like maybe six months. Nah, it was like last summer. And we went to a pool party with, at the time, Cardi B's publicist, King P. And I had just been invited out there. I brought my friend out with me. And the entire time we were there, we were like the only white people at this party. And I was so blown away about how nobody cared. <laughs> Word, yeah. It, it was it was amazing to me because never once did I hear those white girls. Never once did I, you know, hear anybody say anything like that. And we were definitely in the minority. We were, you know, two out of four of the white people there and no <laughs> one said anything. Everybody was kind and courteous and having a good time and all of these different things. And we never got any backlash from it. And it was refreshing, but it was also like mind opening to me about how our culture behaves at least in Detroit and, yeah. and what we're used to is that it's always, you know, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? Yeah. That's another big one. Cause if you are not from Detroit, people treat you like shit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's man, even to this day, the Detroit area is one of the most segregated places. Like it's, it's crazy because, you know, Dearborn has the Arab uh, population, even mm -hmm. in like, like even in Hamtramck, you have a specific population there. Right. Then you go outside in the rest of Detroit and it's black, but then you go outside of the city, it's predominantly white, you know, and it's just like all there, all these, it's gotten a little bit more mixed in recent years, but it's still very much segregated. And the thing is that all those different packets of, uh, of people, you know, bring their own sort of energy into anything and it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily feel comfortable all the time so that's no. why people are always like questioning who you are where you from blah 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 you know is because we just always lived in segregation here right and we don't know like i feel like a lot of it comes down to also knowing who someone is or where they're from or what they believe in right off the bat tells you what kind of person they are and it's always, like, trying to figure it out immediately without, like, discussing it with anybody is, like, well, what do you believe in, you know? And that's a that's a big deal. And, I mean, on some level, it's important to know what you believe in, but it's interesting to me that that becomes part of the conversational identity when meeting people within Detroit and its outer-lying cities, you know? No, it totally is. It's, like... Because all, you know, depending on what the, like, sort of event or the activity is or whatever, like, depending on the type of people that are there, they just bring a different energy. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, you know. Like, for me, like, I remember back in the day when I first started going out to, going out in the city and stuff, going to hip-hop shows. Like, I would be the, you know, the one of a handful of, like, white dudes there. There, it would be right. all black dudes, and I remember that, and it was like, it was like a cool vibe, you know, because everybody, like, everybody respected me there. Everybody, you know, was very kind to me, you know, because like I came in there, I respected what was going on, I wasn't acting a fool and stuff. But then over time, like those hip hop shows started, you know, being less and less black and being more and more white. And there was like a totally different vibe to it that I'm like to the point where I'm missing those old days when I was the only white dude at the spot. Right. 
And I, I feel like that happens with a lot of things now, too, in Detroit in general, with its changes and shifts. Like, going downtown used to be a creative thing for me. Like, I would go down there and find these buildings that I used to hang out in to take pictures. And I was constantly shooting with people because the community was very fresh and there were a lot of a lot of things to be done and discovered. And now it's like I'm finding more and more everything is oversaturated and everything has just, the vibe has changed. You know, it's, it's so pristine clean anymore. And, you know, I miss the grit that existed. Right. And so it's trying to capture that still. Cause I, I've been running around for a long time now. Like I've been doing this for a better part of like, you know, at least eight years or so. Um, and for me, I see that change being so prominent that I miss, I miss shitty old Detroit because I don't see as much of the creativity and that vibe of just like, we're constantly pulling ourselves up from the bootstraps. And in some ways, this, this virus to me may kind of push some of the difference there. Like it may, send some things backwards and it's a shame that some people will lose their businesses it's a shame that certain things are but there's a teeny tiny part of me that misses just the lawlessness (laughs) it's so bizarre no because a lot of our creativity in detroit was just like from people you know congregating at a spot just shooting the shit you know meeting people without rules you know Without, without the internet too, like I the mean, internet like, without the internet's so much bigger now, and and the communities are so crazy to the point of like they're clicky now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just terrible. I have no idea what's going on in the city of Detroit anymore. I'm just like, um, yo, all right, <laughs> but yeah, I remember right. back. Yeah, I remember back in the day, just like you, just you know, you congregated at a spot and it word of mouth. And, um, you know, you just, you know, you just met people that way and like creativity just kind of happened that way, you know, and that's how you met people and stuff like that. Now there's too much, like there's too many rules, too many like policies, too many, like, you know, yeah, because there's so much of an online presence that you're like, you're also like sort of comparing it to other places too. Right. And so it's just like you're not getting that like organic sort of feel to it. Yeah, that expression of the city itself. It's like, you know, people can look this stuff up online now and they're not really um, going out and seeing it for themselves, which is part of it, too. Or like everybody's looking for the next big thing to make them, you know, Insta famous, which is a real, you know, buzzkill. I know when, uh, God, what is that place called? I think it's called the Monarch or what is the place that's right by, um, where the whales are on the building? I forget the name of it. I'm not sure. I think it's, I think it's called the Monarch Club, but I could be wrong, but there's like a, a bar that's got like a deck out there and you can like see kind of the skyline or whatever. And with that and Deluxe Flux, two places 
where like the day or the week or the month that it opened, all I saw were pictures from that location that everybody piled into these places and they had to get their influencer style picture at this location like look i'm hip i was here right and i remember that yeah, like, I'm like, when did we become that city oh my god <laughs> i was like yo man how come i'm seeing all these pictures that look like oh that's in detroit oh shit yeah what <laughs> and i swear like for the like the first two months that deluxe flux was open everybody piled in there to take a picture in the neon room and then, like, half the people that went there, like, don't ever go there again. Like, <laughs> and it, it's all about, like, oh, well, it'll make me look cool online. It's not, a lot of people aren't going out and having fun to have fun anymore. They just want to look like they're having fun on Instagram. What is my mind? And see, yo, that was, that was a problem with me, like, for, for a long time with, you know, when I was DJing. Like, I would you know, go out and DJing and I would just like, it got boring to me. Cause I felt like I was just like becoming like background music for everybody to like, you know, make their plans for later or something, you know? Right. <laughs> like the fixture in the corner. Like I'm just here. Don't mind me. Yeah. Like you could have just put on a, uh, like a Spotify playlist and no one would have noticed, you know? Right. <laughs> and that, that's what really got, you know, like bored like how i got you know really bored with djing and a lot of stuff in regards to music because it was just like and a lot of times going out to see like djs like just at random spots is that like i felt like nobody was there for the like the culture you know right <laughs> they were a there just to like kind of be someone. there and mm -hmm. then kind of plan to you know do you know whatever they're gonna do later or you know plan what drugs that they're going to do later <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the party hopping and everything and it's i worked at um at one point i was working at grasshopper underground as a photographer and this was quite a few years back but i was there on friday nights and it was like you you could pinpoint the people that were there just to be out and getting wasted and then the other people that were there to actually experience the art that was happening and Grasshopper got so many big names. Like, the people that you would see during movement are the people that come through on the off-season. Yeah. So, yeah. it's like, you know, you could either be at movement with a million people, or you could be at this, you know, local venue seeing Kevin Saunderson, and you could basically spit on him because you're so close. Yeah. You know, and, and people don't realize that it's not like that other places. You know, you don't... Right. I mean... At one point, they had Cashmere Cat there. And that's, you know, now that's a big name that's playing big festivals and stuff like that. And I look at it and I go, you guys don't realize how good we have it here until it leaves and comes back. And yeah, we're seems... spoiled here because you can see, like, any, any like, known DJ in, you know, techno, house, and hip-hop, whatever, like, that people, like, jock overseas... Like, you could see them anytime here, you know? You could go right. talk to them, you know? <laughs> like, you get... Um, I know that it ended up being postponed, I believe, because of the virus, but Chami was going to be here at the Russell. Yeah. And, like, he's huge. He was... And, and back in the day, like, back a couple of years ago, like, Diplo had him on as, like, the next, 
you know, one, one of the next big DJs on his radio show. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, Chami is so cool. And I was so stoked for that to be coming. And obviously, you know, the entire concert industry is at a standstill right now. And that's so painful. Because, I mean, I, like, I was... I was hitting concerts every week at that point. And, and then all of a sudden it's like Live Nation cancels all their shows. And there were the, the roster this year for shows was amazing. And it's just heartbreaking to not be able to go to all those shows because we had Rage Against the Machine and My Chemical Romance and all yeah. these things that were coming back. And now everything's on hold. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, it's yo. It, it is so so heartbreaking man you're like music <sighs> is a big component of this city and yeah. i guess i like i mean i knew that but i didn't realize how potent it was until we um didn't have the concerts anymore and just watching the infrastructure of the city just completely fall apart because like sports and and music are like the two main generators of population in the city at night on the weekend you know people are coming downtown to experience downtown and the minute that the shows weren't going to be there i'm like this is really really bad you knew like just right off the bat all of these places that were getting foot traffic for food and drinks oh yeah yeah experiences all those places are not getting that now because people aren't coming downtown yeah they're like yeah they're like i ain't going out for this show so um i'll just cook at home Right, exactly. And like Tin Roof, who, who moved into Chelly's, where Chelly's Chili was, um, they just opened like a couple days prior before this happened. And now they're just like, they have this place now and they should be generating all this revenue and can't. And I'm just like, I feel so bad for places like that, even though it's a corporation, you know, it, it's still that sucks. You just opened and you wanted to make this big bang within the city. And now there's nothing happening. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's, that is so crazy. It's like such bad timing, man. You're like, Oh, you feel for these people. Exactly. You know, and it, I, I hate to say it, you know, I just, I see a lot of places going down because of this, because we're not equipped here. Uh, as far as, you know, the, the cushion that other cities have where, you know, if somebody moves out, someone's going to move right in. You know, we don't have that kind of money here. A lot of places are, are going month to month on their shit. So it, it's just a real bummer to see, you know, some of these businesses now struggling and everything else. And I'm hoping that it comes back. But, you know, I, I'm kind of hoping at this point, the minute that, you know, Detroit is not under lockdown, can we start getting bands here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it's a like who wants to play without. here? I do, I do. All these bands are gonna be like, I do. Yeah, well, it's like you know, oh, oh, they're cleared. Can we go there? Okay, we can go there. So like, we get all of the the kickoff dates of the tour. And so like between us and New York right now, so New York's pretty bad too. Right. When it comes to all the things that you do, you know, being a photographer, a writer, you know, do all these other things. Like, what sort of like your, you know, your purpose to having all these different sort of avenues that sort of lend each lend each other to each thing, you know, and what and how do you, you know, how do you hope to support the people that you work with when 
at many times, you know, a lot of things, especially with photographers and other sort of creative things, you know, th there can be a bit of a, like a, like a cool kids club within like certain cities, certain circles in regards to, um, you know, who kind of gets noticed, you know, how do you feel like you get noticed and what do you want to sort of, you know, how do you want to satisfy your clients and the people that you work with? Well, I mean, first things first with like, like I said, there is clicks here. There are different groups here. I'll tell you straight up. I am not a popular person in terms of like that, like all the other photographers and things like that. A lot of them don't get along. And it's real interesting to see who's friends with who. And it took me a long time to realize that I had to step away from the mentality of like, that's so weird. Well, you know, they're not taking me seriously or I'm not, you know, looked at as one of the big people. And there are a lot of groups that are connected where they have these little collectives or they have their crew or whatever. And they won't participate in other people's events because they think that, oh, well, if I acknowledge their event, then it shows that they're making headway. So I'm not going to. And so I kind of I was doing all of those found in the underground events where I was having people come out and do all these art things. And I started to find that there were artists that would not be involved just because it had my name on it. That's so because weird. They, they didn't want to give me the bump or push or power to be involved and it, it's petty it's it's real bad and i i don't necessarily feel like that's the way we're all gonna get ahead because i no. feel like the people that actually join in and collaborate and connect that those people you know feel like they're part of something bigger hold on one second kelly okay no, I can't hear it. Like I mean, I can I can lightly hear it, but yeah. it's, I don't think he's picking it up. I was I was more concerned with the tapping of the drums. I've got the TV down, but yeah. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't. Yeah, no, you're good. Okay. No worries. Okay. Chuck is doing his rock band Sundays in the other room, and he's like, "Are you good? I'm not like messing up the recording." No, I don't hear anything. Okay, cool. Um, but it's it's interesting to me how people behave with that sort of thing, like that they'll refuse to be involved because they don't want somebody to get ahead of them or anything like that and I don't look at it as that I look at it as I'm trying to help uplift the community by connecting all of these people together and within the last couple you know shows that I've had there have been people that have made friends and made connections and collaborated with each other yeah it, it has nothing to do with me but the the more that we can join together in an art community and and connect to kind of help amplify everyone, the better off we're going to be. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here under any illusion that I'm going to be, you know, the same, I'd be at the same level that Joe Gall is. I, I'm not at the same, I'm not going to try to attack and be bigger than, you know, these, these heavy hitters or these leaders, quote unquote, of, you know, that field, because I'm not trying to be them. I'm trying to be me. Yeah. No. And and so what it comes down to, like I have, I have respect for the people that are out there doing their thing and, and getting ahead and all of these other things. I, I just, I find that if I focus on it too much, I start to get bitter about it. Like why aren't people seeing me doing these things? And that becomes a problem with a lot of artists is that we don't, feel like we're being seen or respected and I'm like 
have been talking to crowds for years now and, and online and doing different things and and trying to make myself as known as possible. And some days, yeah, it gets in your psyche that like, well, no one gives a shit. You know, no one needs to see that. And that, that also plays into, you know, obviously my own anxiety and depression of things. Like, right. I, I know, like, for me, I tend to talk about a lot, like, getting ahead tends to play into body image, too. And so I've kind of started opening up about that a little more on social media of like the body image issues I have too, because I feel like sometimes the community and expanding out to even different cities and stuff, trying to get into these festivals and everything, people more so are looking for an influencer. They're not looking at anybody's talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that seems to be a big problem all over the world, not just here of like, well, if you have enough followers and you have enough of this or that, then people will pay attention to you. And like once you catch fire, that kind of viral energy where people see you, it's like people only follow you because you're the one to follow, not because they enjoy you. And it sucks that that's the double-edged sword of that kind of fame. So I honestly, I just try to be mindful of what I'm creating and try to keep in mind of what I'm trying to do with my life and my art and connecting with these other individuals and not to get as mixed up in, well, why am I not getting as many likes as camera Jesus? Why am I not getting as many likes as, you know, or why isn't anybody featuring me on the pure Detroit page? Cause if you just fall down that rabbit hole, it's going to just wreck your self esteem on creating, <laughs> yeah. you know? And see, like, uh, one of the communities that's been very inspiring to me has been the, um, like the comic arts, comics, uh, creator community that kind of, um, the ones that are kind of in the artist alley at all these big, uh, conventions. I've become friends with a lot of them. I've had them on this podcast and you know what, and what they do is like, they're, they collaborate with each other. They uplift each other. Anytime there's a new announcement, you know, they're retweeting and being like, oh, that's awesome, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, is like there's all these people and the thing like with which with every project, they kind of are able to, you know, pick and choose which, you know, who they want to work with. And they all kind of pick each other or these new people. And if they want to, you know, they see a new person who's like, uh, you know, super respectful and have a good talent and wants to be a part of it, they lift them up and you have all these sort of like options of people to choose from when doing these projects. So it's like very uplifting to this whole community that all these people get to work with each other at some point or in another, you know, just because they're just being cool with each other. And at the same time, they don't, they, don't, they, they, they police themselves. No one's a gatekeeper, but they police themselves. And if anybody's being a jackass, then they call upon, you know, they call on, they check them, you know? So it was like, like when you're saying all this stuff about, you know, the shows that you do and people won't do it, like, like that's complete opposite of what I'm seeing with all these people that I know in the comics community. And these people are getting like, are able to build their careers up more and more because they're working with each other and having that collaboration and having, and are able to, you know, refer people that could be better or, Hey, I don't have time to do this, but this person can do it. You know, 
Like right. that's super, it's super beautiful to see. And like, I wish more people like in our city would do the same thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I feel like, I mean, there are some, don't get me wrong. There are some groups that do connect and they, they do have, you know, these little collectives and things like that. And they help each other. I do wish that people were a little bit more open to collaboration overall. But, um, when I look at some of the other communities, like even photographer wise, it splits off into like who does editorial, who does urban exploring, who does, you know, who's trying to be the next Peter McKinnon of Detroit. Um, (laughs) And different things like that, but I, like I see collaboration within some of the like the drawing community, like as far as like drawing and painting, or you know, I mean, there are obviously like graffiti artists have their own cliques and stuff like that too, so that doesn't fit as much. But like, I'll, I'll say this too: I feel like I've been very welcomed into the like the marijuana community with everything that I've shared. Yeah. And I've kind of been going harder on that end just because that seems to be a community that is open to talking and open to collaborating and being open to, you know, being respectful of each other. Yeah. Like when somebody like you can go through and people will do like there are different like growth tactics that you can use on Instagram and things like that because I've I've used those over the years of of like going through and liking and commenting and connecting with people. And when you're doing that, there's no bigger return that I've noticed other than the marijuana community. Everybody wants to be a part or see what you're doing. And that's been really rewarding over the past couple months with me is connecting with those type of groups, you know, there's a lot of different people in that, in that group. Like there's a lot of, you know, people from different jobs and careers and stuff like that walks of life. That's a part of that marijuana community. Right, exactly. And so that's what's making it so cool to me. And and obviously, because we're in Michigan, and we get hash, we have hash bash, and we've got these other, you know, events normally. (laughs) Normally, yeah. Things like that, people have the opportunity to connect and people have the opportunity to, you know, have the good vibe about it. Because you're not, I'll say that when I was going to, like, we went to Cannabis Cup and things like that. I found they created like connections with people way better. There, there, there was a guy that lived a couple hours away that came to one of the art shows I threw and I met him in line in Clio at the high times festival. Like it was just a random dude. And he, I told him about the show and he showed up Nice. and I, it blew my mind and it made my day because I was just like, wow, like these people really want to connect, you know, they want to have, you know, somebody, to, to kind of be not necessarily a leader, but somebody to see like what's going on, like what's the new cool thing or what, what to connect with. So that's, I've, I've had a lot of fun with the weed community and the influencer realm because of that. And I know people look at the word influencer as a dirty word and things <laughs> like that. But I, I, in, in my case, it's been rewarding to be able to connect with brands and connect with other people through those brands because of it. And, you know, I've made some real good friends and fans through it. So, I mean, I'm not sitting here like going like, Oh my God, like I need to be the biggest stoner in the world online. And I know I've been pushing it lately, but (laughs) you know, it seems to be 
it seems to be a, a more open community than than these writers and photographers and different things because I know over the years it's there's been more gripes and issues of connecting and it's the same thing with people respecting art and you know paying for art and everything else like the minute I started asking what I was worth as far as compensation was concerned I lost probably 80 percent of the people that I was shooting with because they can go find somebody else to do it cheaper or for free so it's there's a lot of different shifts that are happening all at the same time but I feel like as long as there are people that desire to still connect with others. Like we, we should be in a good position. And I think like right now, especially not only do I feel like coronavirus is causing a lot of us to be more creative, but it's also causing us to have conversations with people. Like we can't hang out with people. So we actually have to sit and talk to them or sit and have a conversation via text or you know, do a FaceTime or have these little little Google Hangouts or something. People are having to reconnect in that way and, and use their souls a little bit more right now because yeah. we're not out getting bombed and we're not out, <laughs> right. you know, having all of these distractions. A lot of a lot of what we do as entertainment is a distraction from daily life. Yeah. And I think a lot of people not only are going to have to have conversations with other people, but they're going to have to have internal ones with themselves about who they are as a person. And so I feel like there might be a, a good mental health angle to it too. I, I just totally rambled. I don't even remember what I was actually no. talking about question wise, but no, it's perfect. <laughs> kinda, no, it was exactly ties in with me, you know, every, every little thing. Um, I, as far as like the different genres of things that I do and, you know, connecting people within certain realms, I feel like it's the most powerful to connect like visuals and heart and words all together. And I feel like that might be where some of my success comes from is to your point of like being that unapologetic voice is that I try to, as much as possible, speak to those that I know feel like me. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to, like, people in Detroit that maybe people don't know about, you know, who, like, off the top of your head, who are some just, like, artists, creative people that you feel like people need to know more about? Fiber! (laughs) (laughs) Fiber, uh, aka Ken Deshane the Third, is uh, one of my buddies, and he is a great graffiti artist, a great muralist, a great graphic designer, everything. And he's, I mean, he's semi, pretty well known, I guess, throughout the the community. But I, I just feel like he's destined for awesome shit, and he's doing these, uh, these showcases that are in different areas now like you know he's going to have one in miami at some point i you know some some of this stuff is you know going to be a little off due to coronavirus but you know he's he's starting to set up more and more activations and stuff and i think it's super cool to see him thrive and then my other buddy brandon ottenbacher is super smart, super fun to work with. And he's basically been my right hand on all the shows that I've done. Um, But he does visual arts, both with like photography with his girlfriend, Paige Albin, who is just killer with her portraits. 
but also he does a lot of visual effects and creative stuff for movies. And he was like a, he was a creative director for the movie that we worked on over the summer that is supposed to supposedly come out this year called Wolfhound. So like those, those two don't get enough recognition, I think. And it's a lot of it comes down to, you know, a lot of artists aren't doing as much reach out when it comes to posting stuff on social media and being like the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. Cause I feel like I fall into that category more often than not is like, I don't shut up. So people know who I am, but there are a lot of people that, you know, do great, amazing things that they just don't push themselves on social media like right. they should. And I, I feel like those people deserve recognition. It's the same thing with, you know, there's so many different people that were at the found in the underground shows to the point of like, I almost, I, I probably should just give you one of every digital flyer and say, okay, check out all of these artists because almost everybody that came through on the shows that we were doing at the tangent were just phenomenal people. And a lot of them got to connect with each other and have made like long lasting friendships because of it and collaborative partners. So pretty much anybody that was at any found in the underground event, I, I would fully endorse of like, check them out, see what their art is and just even support and share. Cause I think that also comes down to a lot of, how we do things in, in the city is nobody wants to share anybody else's artwork because they want their artwork to be the important thing. And I feel like the more that we support each other and show off those people, you know, like people wouldn't expect me to plug another photographer cause I am one, but I constantly try to share other people's things and share their work or try to give people opportunities to show off their work for that reason. Because, you know, I, it does me no use to have a battle with like, like I said, Brandon's girlfriend is phenomenal at photography and in doing art painting page album hex tapes. There's no reason for me to start a war with her just because she's another photographer. Right. And that's how a lot of people behave in this industry. It's like, Oh, well you're, you do what I do. So I can't support you. And I think that's <laughs> bullshit. That's bu- that is bullshit. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. And and same thing with the concert community. Like there there are some good eggs and there are some bad eggs. And there's like one bad egg in particular that tries to argue with people in the pit to make them feel uncomfortable so they have their space. And I think that if I could find, you know, some sort of way to expose that person for their behavior, (laughs) I feel like I would feel better about myself a little bit by just not sitting on it and being angry. But there are some people that are just, they're bad eggs and they don't have any respect for anybody else. And we have to deal with those things as we can. But I feel like if everybody, especially like, like I said, just photographers are pretty toxic. Sometimes I, I really wish out of every community that the photographers would find a way to work together better. There's something I always like to ask people. Um, uh during my uh, during these interviews for the podcast, is that what sort of a nugget of knowledge from your life and career that anybody listening to this, no matter what they do, no matter what their avenue of artistry is, that they can sort of project into their own life? Focus more on your own craft and what you want to accomplish yourself instead of looking what everybody else is doing and being jealous about it. That, that is one of the biggest problems that I had to solve within my own self 
about creating. And I, I was constantly trying to, you know, keep up with what everybody else was doing or, you know, trying to fit in and it comes down to that. I don't fit in with a lot of things, <laughs> but I, uh, I realized in myself that it wasn't worth the agony I was putting myself through of comparing myself to others and going, well, why isn't that me? And I feel like a lot of people, whether they want to voice it or not, come down to that problem when they're looking up at these these idols and heroes that they have or or the people that are in their community and like, well, if I could just beat that person, I'll be good. And I feel like that's a lot of that's something that a lot of people need to grapple with is it like stop looking at everybody else and what they're accomplishing because it doesn't negate your accomplishments and try to just create your own and use that energy to create your own. And if you're going to get bitter and angry about it, use it to drive you. If you if you really can't let it go, use it to to fuel your desire to be better. Exactly. Yeah, I think we all have gone through some sort of version of that, you know, and it, it's really it's really good when you can let that kind of go and not compare yourselves to others. And it 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 kind of comes and goes sometimes. Yeah, and it comes back. Get, yeah. Yeah. Don't get mad at yourself if you feel it. Cause I, I, I know it happens to me where I see something and I'm like, well, why isn't that me? And then I'm like, wait, wait, check yourself. And I'm getting a lot better of like having my own internal dialogue yeah. of saying like, Same wait thing. a minute, stop. There's, there's something that's bothering you or triggering you here. Figure out what it is and fix it rather than just trying to blow through it. Cause I spent a lot of my earlier years of my career, just pushing, 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 trying to get ahead and do different things and not grappling with my own issues with it or what damage I was doing to myself in that process. So now that I'm paying more attention to my mental health and, and how I create, I can at least identify when I'm going off the deep end and rationalize with myself. Okay. You gotta, you gotta take a step back. You got to figure out what's bothering you about this and what you can do to change it. Definitely. Definitely. All right, Amy, it's been great talking with you. A great Detroit heavy episode. Definitely wanted to do more of this refresh of the word before we get out of here. Where can people go online to get more information about everything you're, you're working on? Uh, I have my website, which is acronymofficial.com. Uh, we've got the the writing and the photography on there all kind of mixed in. I'm going to be splitting them eventually, and then there will be an acronym zine and an acronym official. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not quite here, there yet. I'm working on it. Um, and then as far as all of my social media handles are pretty much all acronym official. There will be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Twitch, Patreon, and then the two that are just acronym with nothing else attached to it are Kofi, which is where you can support me if you want to buy me a coffee. Um, and then my YouTube is just an ad- acronym. So, and yeah. TikTok is acronym official. Man, you everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> I, I'm literally as in many places as it makes sense for me to be. <laughs> Except, you know, nobody cares about Google Plus. Fuck that thing. All right. All right. <laughs> or OnlyFans. You got OnlyFans? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how bad this gets. All right? <laughs> there might be some titty to be shown. <laughs> uh... <laughs>
Hey, yo, thank you for listening to this episode of Fresh is the Word, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash fresh is the word. Intro theme music by Foulmouth, Shimmy Bango, and Knox Money. Fresh is the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh is the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh is the word. Follow Fresh is the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh is the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh is the Word. For more information about Fresh is the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshisthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.